way that I know how, and that's to pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning. We pray that you take away any distractions from the week, that you open our hearts to hear what you've planned just for us in your ever-living word. In Jesus' name, amen. Gave me a chance to slow my heart down. Has anyone ever had that feeling of being totally under pressure? Too many things to do, pushing from all angles and everything always comes at the one time. So I had this feeling a few weeks ago. Everything just has a way of being due at the same time and uh, feeling deadlines and expectations from lots of different places. And I felt like I couldn't do it all. And I said to Chris, I'm at capacity. And I thought I was doing the right thing by saying that because I never used to say that. I'm a really busy person and I like to have lots of things on the go and I like to think that I can do everything. Chris has taught me that I can't do a workout, clean the house and bake a cake in half an hour. And I thought I was being mature by saying I'm at capacity. I was thinking of all the things I had to do at every moment of the day. And that was making me impatient in the car, which probably doesn't take much. It was making me impatient with my kids and really rigid uh, with my time. So I went to music practice on the Wednesday night and I was a little on edge. And during the worship at the start of the night, I felt God say to me, you are not at capacity. That's the devil telling you that. Do you think I'm not going to give you the ability to do everything that I have given you to do? And instead of focusing on all the things I had to do, I felt God say, focus on those little moments of peace that you have. So the five minutes here and there, you know, just eating breakfast or going to the bathroom, those little things, the little moments that I had, and I left that night and just felt this release and I felt this tangible feeling of God's peace. And when that mammoth week was all done, I was fine. I wasn't tired after it. I didn't get sick. You know how sometimes on the Monday then you get sick? I was totally fine. And um, I think that's taught me something to take on as I, as I go through because that's going to happen again. But this morning... We're going to jump into the book of Philippians. So before we do that, I thought I'd just go through a little bit of the context of the time because I know sometimes you can read through the chapters and uh, think it's all great, but then when you go into it with a little bit more understanding and a little bit more depth of what was happening and how that impacted the people at the time, then uh, you can take a lot more away from it. So Philippians is a letter and it was written by Paul and it was his final letter. Uh, it was written in 62 AD in Rome, and Timothy was by his side at the time. So at this time, Philippi was a colony for the Roman army, and they had almost a cult-like following for the emperor, Octavian. Uh, this meant that a lot of opposition was given to Christians, and especially the church that was in Philippi. So Paul wrote this letter to encourage them and praise them in a really tough time. And what a better person than someone who was in prison, shipwrecked, flogged, beaten, to understand the persecution they were going through. So at the start of his letter in Philippians 1, 12 to 26, Paul gives us an example of how to respond to attempts to suppress 
the gospel by saying, whatever the outcome, that to live is Christ and to die is gain. Meaning that while I'm living, I'm working for Christ, and if I die, I go to heaven. So how can we lose? So knowing this and keeping this in mind, we're going to turn to Philippians 4, 4 to 13. Philippians 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious for anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the peace of God will be with you. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned but had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. So we're going to break that down. So the first section that I'm going to talk about is Philippians 4, 6. I'm going to call it A. So rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. This passage follows a certain setup. So it gives us practical steps of what to do and then tells us what will happen if we do them. And that's what we'll be going through today. The first step is don't be anxious about anything. Okay? <laughs> the Passion Version says, don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. How often do we read these words, don't be anxious about anything, and thought, yeah, great advice, but how do we actually do that? How do we put that into practice? Or have you thought, but he doesn't know what I'm going through now? Or I know that, but it's not that simple. My mum is one of the biggest warriors I know. I'm not a, I, I am a mother and I understand now that some of that goes with the territory, but my mum is a superstitious warrior. She needs to say drive safely every time I leave or something might happen to me in the car. Uh, when I was pregnant, she was like a safety force field for my stomach. So she pushed people away who were walking too close for me. She stood in between me and an elderly man in a motor jeep, giving him a death stare. And one person, when we were walking through a food court, started to move their chair back. She pushed it back in real quick, and it was like a metre away from me. She had always been like this. And as I grew up, I could feel these worries starting to grow within me. And I could envisage how a current moment would pan out to the worst possible circumstance. And I could feel myself worrying more and more and more. And it wasn't until I understood what God says about worry that I realised how pointless it was. 
and that the concept of worrying and giving it over to God is something that I need to personally do on a daily basis. So knowing that, let's move on to step two. The second step in the process of seeking God's peace is found in the second section of Philippians 4, 6. In every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So petition means asking, and the Greek word here is actually supplication, which is more than petitioning, sorry. It's needing, wanting, and seeking. So really going after it rather than just asking. And the Passion Version says, be saturated in prayer throughout the day. How do we pray? Quickly, once, flippantly, or are we saturated in prayers all day? Philippians says we should, one, not worry, and two, present our request to Christ. I was listening to a podcast during the week, and it was talking about camels. It wasn't all about camels. I don't listen to podcasts about camels specifically. It was a a sermon, and he was talking about camels, which I don't know that much about. Uh, And I know that, you know, they've been used for thousands of years to transport heavy things through the desert. So when a load needs to be carried, what they do apparently is not evenly disperse that load throughout all the camels because then they all slow down. But they would put all the load on one camel, it would reduce its water stores and still try and keep up a little healthy competition with the other camels. So that was the best way for them to go through without losing too much speed. But when the load or the burden became too much, the camel would stop, uh, sit down and literally tip the burden off its back, refusing to carry it anymore and passing it to another. And they were likening this to what God asked us to do. He asked us to stop, tip the burden off and let him take it. But do we let our burdens go or do we keep going back to it and trying to grab it again and drag it along behind us, carrying more and more burdens through life? How How long are the burdens that we are dragging behind us and how long can we keep on going? Prayer and peace are really closely connected. When we give our cares to Christ instead of fretting over them, we can experience the peace of God and that will guard us from that nagging anxiety. Peace is built by God and the devil cannot erode it. Like a protective force field but different to my mum, Peace gives purpose to our testimony. What a powerful story for people to see the transformation in us from warrior to Christ warrior. Peace gives us purpose of our ministry. When Jesus sent out 72 disciples in Luke 10, 5, the first thing that they were to do was to go into a house and say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest upon them. In other words, you can walk into a house and speak peace. The Hebrew greeting is shalom, which means peace be with you. How many of us are walking around believing that we have the ability to bring peace to others? In a world that seems to need peace more than ever before, what an amazing gift we could be accessing. However, you can't give away what you don't have. If you don't have electrical knowledge, You can't help someone, or you shouldn't help someone, (laughs) repair a damaged circuit. If you don't have knowledge of the human heart, 
you can't treat, and again, shouldn't treat, someone with blockages. And if you don't have peace in your own heart, you can't give that to other people. Do you have peace in your heart? And what do you need to do to allow peace to enter? Our third part, our third step. In verse 7 it says, Once you do these things, when we give our worries and our anxieties over, offering up our requests and needs, the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. So this is what we must do in order to be filled with the peace of God. The passage says the exact peace of God, which is beyond our wildest imagination, will guard, which is watch in advance and protect, our hearts, which are our thoughts as well as our feelings and our mind. When we choose not to worry, but instead to give it all to God, he will protect our heart and mind. Sounds like a good trade. Why does God want our heart and mind guarded? God is very interested in your thoughts and the impacts that it has on your heart. Matthew 12, 34 says, For from the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Proverbs 4, 23 says, Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Science shows that stress hormones floating around our body produce cortisol, and excess adrenaline, which are harmful for our health if it keeps happening over long periods of time. And it can actually wreak havoc on every burden in our body. Organs, sorry, not burden. Neuroplasticity is a new area of science that talks about the ability to renew your mind, your brain, and your cells. Our thoughts are extremely powerful. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Our thoughts have real physiological impacts. Positive thinking can rewire and override negative psychological patterns. Something that I had never heard of is neurotheology. And it's another new area of science that looks at the power of prayer and, the, and our faith and the impact that it actually has on our brain. God's given us a brain as a tool of communication directly with him. It's an earthly mechanism to communicate with the spiritual realm. So a study in America five years ago took brain scans of people who were going throughout their normal daily life to give them a baseline of what's normal. They then put them on a routine of prayer and continued the brain scans over time. And they saw that there were four changes in the brain. So one, the language centre is highly activated. So when they looked at an atheist doing some meditation, there was no difference in the language centres. But then when they looked at someone who was praying, the activity was exactly the same as if they were standing across from someone having a verbal conversation. In the frontal cortex, so that controls your higher order thinking and your thought processes, that had higher activity, meaning higher cognition, in other words, a better, deeper level of thought. Throughout the study, the size of the brain actually grew, which meant that new brain cells were being made. The activation of the ACC, we'll leave it as that, I'm not gonna say what it's called, <laughs> is the heart of the brain, and that processes your feelings like love, compassion, awareness of others. That was more activated in prayer. 
And the fourth thing they saw was the limbic system, which is responsible for your negative emotions, so hate, bitterness, anger, depression. While praying, that area was shut off. And the positive, the ACC, the heart of the brain, was going instead. How incredible is that? Our God is a God of science. His creation is complex and continually faith-building as we learn more as science allows us. Verse 8 continues the theme. It begins with the words, finally, and caps off this section. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. We've all been in a position where we have something that's causing an incredible amount of worry and anxiety. And it feels like there's nothing you can do to stop thinking about it. It's on your mind constantly, changes your view of everything around you. Our character and our behaviour begin in our mind. Our actions are affected by the things that we dwell on in our thoughts. Paul cautions his readers to concentrate on things that will result in right living and God's peace. It sounds so easy, yet sometimes it's easier to concentrate on the negatives and how much we're worrying, how bad the situation is. But it's like when you're taught to ride a bike or drive a car. If you look at the tree that you don't want to hit, that's where your brain will take you. So you need to look at that clear gap, that clear space that you want to go and pray, pray, pray. Once we've acknowledged the worry, we've prayed about it, we actually have to do one more thing. Like the camel when the load was too much, we have to hypothetically tip the load off. We're not meant to pick it up and drag it around us. Never letting go or holding on to that for that portion of control is not worth the damage that it does to us. It's us who can determine our own thought life. Don't let others do that for you. Cause your mind to dwell on things that give you peace and bring glory to God. So if that means that you don't look at Facebook for hours, that's a call you have to make. If that means that not watching the news at night, don't do it. I get overwhelmed when I watch the news. When I listen to the media and when I look at Facebook and see morally corrupt things being sold as normal, I start to feel hopeless and I look at the demise of our society. When gender can now be decided from one feeling to the next, when suicide is a major cause of death in such a blessed country, when unborn babies are seen as inconveniences that can be handled, when Christians are sued and hated and ridiculed, ridiculed for expressing their convictions. In the natural, there is a lot to worry about. There's a lot of negativity that's constantly surrounding us and it's easy to drown in amongst it. It's hard to see that glimmer of light sometimes but in this letter, we are encouraged and God's word is ever living. And the encouragement that Paul wrote to the Philippians at the time is exactly the same as the encouragement that God is giving us, Unihill Church, today. The times are certainly different, but in a lot of ways, it's harder to get away from it now with the radio, TV, social media, mobile phones, it can chase us everywhere. And when we're feeling like this and beaten down and oppressed, we can go to God. He's calling us to give it over. Worry is not a burden that we were ever meant to bear. Jesus took it at the cross. But we need to be obedient 
and let it go. Hand it over, petition to God and change our focus. Change our focus from worry to, as the Passion Bible puts it in Philippians 4.8, what is authentic, real, honourable, admirable, beautiful and respectful, pure and holy. The media is not authentic and real. Social media is not respectful and pure. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying crawl under a rock and refuse to look at everything that's happening in the world. But I'm saying to be aware of your limit. I know for myself that I can start to feel the rise of panic and the hopelessness if I've exposed myself too much. I know that sitting on the couch after dinner when the boys are in bed and I can relax for the day, that I just can't go there. For me, I know that, I don't know if anyone else is the same, but when it comes to nighttime, my mind is very vulnerable. And I need to set my eyes on things that are pure and lovely and truthful or it's gonna affect my sleep. And maybe it's a good idea to ask God to make you more aware of your mind and heart and when you need to be protected more times than others. Now, no one could ever say that Paul didn't have as much to worry about as others. He goes on to say that in every situation he has learned the secret of being content. He didn't find it, he didn't stumble across it, he learned it. Interesting word choice, but that's for another day. Verse 13 is one of my favourites. The first verse that we taught our kids, and it's one of those memory verses that I go back to often in my life. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In times when I'm feeling in above my depth, I recite this verse. When I'm feeling inadequate, I recite this verse. This verse is the only reason I can get up on stage and lead worship when everything in my mind is telling me that I'm not good enough and I'm going to stuff it up. This verse is the only way I'm standing here this morning, giving this message. I often hear God say in my mind, do you think I haven't given you what you need to do this? I'm learning to live life, learning, as if it's a green light until God turns it red. So if I'm given an opportunity, I just say yes, and then God will give me the strength to do it. So here I am. If you have been feeling worried and incapable, be encouraged. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. But we also have been given the steps, the practical steps of how to offload the burden onto God. This is a biblical instruction of giving over burdens. If there's something that you're struggling with at the moment, something that you're finding hard to let go of, or to gain control over. I'm going to take some time to pray about that. I'm going to ask everyone if you wouldn't mind standing. If you feel your heart pumping really fast and you have a general uneasiness, that's often the Holy Spirit, I've learned, and that sometimes you can ignore it, but He's giving you a little poke. I'm going to ask that everyone closes their eyes and bows their heads just to allow people to feel comfortable and relaxed. If you feel like God is stirring you, that He's speaking to you this morning about something in particular or many things in particular that are weighing heavy on you, now is that chance to acknowledge the worry, to petition and give it to God and literally tip 
that burden off right now. If you're worried about something, I want you to take this opportunity to go to God with it. If you're worried about a health problem that seems impossible, I want you to raise a hand. If you're worried about finances and how you're gonna make it through, I want you to raise a hand. If you're overwhelmed by life in general, I want you to raise a hand. If you feel like the worries are niggling and you can't keep them at bay, I want you to raise your hand. To give away our burdens, we need to acknowledge them, but we need to be obedient and hand them over. And raising our hand this morning is us being obedient. It's us saying, yep, I have that. And God is the only one who can take that from you. It's an obedient step to God saying, yeah, okay, I might feel a little bit uncomfortable by putting my hand up, but I'm gonna give this over to God because I'm not meant to be dragging this around. So if your heart is pounding and you haven't yet raised your hand, now is your chance. If there's something that God has brought to the forefront of your mind, a worry, a concern, or just something that you don't even notice that you're worrying about, now's the time to hand that over. Or if you need to feel God's peace, if you don't know what that, that warm, glowing feeling of God's peace is, and you really want that so that you can take that into into the world. Acknowledge that too and raise your hand. Because we're a family and families support each other, that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to pray together for each other. We all have worries and burdens every day. So what we're going to do is in a minute we're going to open our eyes and if there's someone near that has their hands raised, I want to encourage you to go and pray for them. It doesn't have to be this amazing prayer. You can just thank Jesus for them. If you don't have the words, you can just pray in tongues or you can just put your hand on them and tell them that God loves them. But I really encourage you to turn around and look for someone that has their hand raised, lay hands on them and pray for them. Don't let anyone who has their hands raised not have people around them. So go now, find someone with their hand raised and surround them in the love and the support that we are as a family of Uni Health.